Let's just pray and see where the Lord takes this. Father, we worship you, we praise you, we love you, Lord. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you, God, that time after time after time, when we seek you, we'll find you. Because you promised it. And your word is never void. It is always consistent. If our eyes are on you, we'll find you. If we seek you, we'll find you. We'll hear from you. We'll develop this relationship with you. Lord, I declare that is what we desire. I know it is what you desire. So do what you want this morning. We give you our yes. I give you my yes. Whatever you want to do, you will find this group of people desiring to receive whatever it is that you have. No matter what it looks like. It's hard to put parameters around a new thing. Father, it's even hard to picture what a new thing can look like. It's like we paint with a pencil in black and white. And we may have vague images of what something might look like. But it's not until you come in with your color and your precision that that picture becomes clear, becomes beautiful, becomes usable. So, Lord, we offer to you this morning what we can offer. That is us. To do with what you will. You have said to make ready for what you're about to do. Father, in many ways, we just can't quantify what you're about to do. We know you've said things. We believe you and trust you, but... To understand the weight of those, to understand the impact of those, would be almost impossible. But we step in faith. We step in our desire to be ready. And I believe we are. We're just hungry. said if we're hungry you'll give us food if we're thirsty you'll give us water we come before your throne not with demands not with even real direct requests we come before your throne with only one thing 
And that is the desire to stay. To stay before your throne. To sit at your feet. To learn from you. To learn the depths of what pleases you. The depths of relationship with you. You have sent us in so many ways so far ahead of your bride. But with that, there is expectation. Because one who is called to plow must plow, not look back. But to literally prepare ground for seed. Prepare ground for fruit. We give you our yes in all of this. If you did not have our yes, we would not be here. Draw us together in the unity of your love. We love you desperately. In Jesus' name, amen. So last week, um, we were talking about not getting ahead of God, right? And basically what that means is quantifying in our mind, oh, well, this is what this means, and because that's how it's always been, that's how I'm going to step and kind of step before God says to step. And, and I, think, I think everybody gets that. That's, that's fairly basic, right? Um, Peter did not jump off the boat until he said, tell me to come to you. <laughs> he knew in his heart, I better get Jesus is okay with this before I step off the boat. And Jesus said, come. And he came and he walked. What an incredible test of his faith that, by the way, he passed. He may have gotten scared later on. But I didn't read anybody else jumping out of that boat. Nope. <laughs> so you've got to give him credit for that. You know, I, I don't know. Now, he's a fisherman, so he's used to the sea. I've been in rough seas. I've been in Category 4 waves and and... I'm not sure I'd want to jump off the boat in those. You know, it's it's not even even being a strong swimmer, I'm not sure that I would want to do that. And now, by the way, have you guys seen all these ridiculous things about sharks? Yeah. Shark week. It's like I no, not even being is it shark week? Yeah. Really? Okay, not not even being that, although that that actually makes a little more sense to me now. But yeah, the I mean this this I think it was an 11-foot bull shark that's attacking this boat. 
Now, I don't know if you guys know about bull sharks, but bull sharks are the most aggressive shark, way more aggressive than a great white or anything else. And I just can't help but think that these are all signs of creation waking up. You know, I, I, I don't know why. You know, I, I, the other day I go out back, and it was last Sunday. I don't know if I told this story. I don't think I did. Did I tell a story about a snake? No. Okay, I walk out to come here, and here's this five-foot rat snake right outside my door, you know, down off the deck. And I'm like, no, not poisonous. Rats, I mean, they eat rats, so I suppose they could give you rabies. <laughs> I don't know. But, you know, this thing's just sitting there, and and I was taken back a little bit because it was so big. I mean, it was, it probably would have come up to about here on me, and probably about that big around. But uh, I walk over to it, and it didn't do anything. And I thought, I really wanted to pick it up and take it back to our, this creek area because, you know, I didn't want it up by the house because I knew if Alexa saw that thing, she would have made me kill it. I didn't want to kill it because they're good. Now, a spider I would kill. I'm pretty sure there's nothing good about a spider. And we, we do have a black widow out on our front walkway that keeps hiding from me. I've seen him a couple times, and every time I go up to him, he darts, or she, I shouldn't say he, she darts in. Although we did, thankfully, Yvonne, I had her kill its egg sac. Sorry, I'm, I'm getting way off here. <laughs> they went everywhere when you broke it apart? Did you kill them all? Oh, thank you. Now we have millions of them that will grow. <laughs> That's Wow. Yeah, I should have done that one myself. But anyways, this snake, he was not afraid. And I walked over to him, and I began to get afraid. <laughs> I thought, you know, I know it's not poisonous, but, you know, I don't know if you've seen the teeth on a rat snake. Like, they, they can hurt. They, they're, they can be painful. So I, I get over there, and I thought, it, this fear just starts to come in. I said, okay, let me go get a shovel. <laughs> I go get a shovel and I, I start messing with then he coiled up and all that. And I just kept thinking, I wonder what would have happened if I would have just picked him up by the tail and taken him down. I think nothing. I don't think he was afraid of me at all until I brought the shovel. Then he's like, okay, I know your intention now. <laughs> but see, creation is waking up. Creation is starting to recognize something's different. And I'm not saying creation, you know, is some entity all by itself, but in a way it is. It was cursed. Creation was cursed, right? So things are happening in a way that we can't quite quantify. And what does that mean? How do we roll with that? Well, I mean, the creation part's, you know, easy. You know, I... The whole point of creation waking up is to recognize the sons of God. 
You know, so if you're a child of God, then you're, I think you're in good standing with that. You know, I'm not saying run up to a pit bull and give it a big hug or anything, but you know what I'm saying. We live in different times. And in these different times, when God is trying to birth something new, he takes us into a new platform. That's what he told us weeks ago that is coming here in terms of that, that new way of doing service, whatever that means, whatever that looks like. It's not about you coming here to just receive it's about really receiving something else and having a responsibility as well. There is an end game in this that I want to share with you. That end game is the Holy Spirit working through you coming out to the world. Jesus even said this to his disciples. You know, if, if you... Drink of me, you will have water flowing out of you that is not of you. And then he goes on later to explain that it's the Holy Spirit. And in fact, let's, let's turn there. I want you to turn. Well, we're going to go to John 14, which is kind of where we ended last time. Right? We, we ended at verse 12. I, we didn't go past verse 12, did we, last week? probably should have listened to myself because I, I don't remember what all we went over, but this is what the Lord, if we already went over this, then, okay, good. Cause I was going to say, if, if we already did do this, that must mean that you guys didn't listen and the Lord wants you to hear it again. So, <laughs> but no, we talked about the greater works that will be done, right? Jesus said himself, because I go to the Father, greater works than what I am doing now or will have done, you will do. You'll do greater. And it's because Jesus went to the Father and he sent the Holy Spirit to work in each one of us. So each one that builds relationship, that gives their yes, that pliably says, yes, Lord, whatever you want to do in me and through me, the Holy Spirit then does this special work. By the way, the Holy Spirit affects us three different ways. There's around us, the Bible says, I think it's a Greek word para, then there is in us which is Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. When we're saved, the Holy Spirit seals our spirit and dwells in us, in our spirit. That's E-N in Greek. But then there's a unique one. It's only found, I believe, only three times in the Word of God. And it's epi. E-P-I, epi. Epidotis, or I don't even know. We'll just call it epi. And that is to literally rest upon. That's what happened in Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit rested upon each individual. 
Now, many of you have felt that here. Many of you have had encounters of that happening to you where the Holy Spirit, the best way I could describe it is it's an invasion of your body. It really is. But it's not something that actually comes from within. It is something that rests upon that stands in agreement with what's within. Right? The Holy Spirit stands in agreement with himself. And there's a connection made. So, let me keep your finger in John 14, but I want you to go just a few pages back to John chapter 7. John chapter 7, verse 37. First of all, this is the Feast of Booths. Jesus wasn't going to go, and this is an interesting thing to dive into. I won't get into it now, but he ends up going and going kind of quietly because at the beginning of it, it wasn't his time yet. He had said to his brothers. But he gets to the Feast of Booths and all these things happen. And then at the Feast of Booths, at the very end, he stands up. If you can imagine this, imagine Jesus doing this. He stands up, verse 37, on the last day of the feast, the great day, this day of celebration day, Jesus stood up and cried out. Imagine him saying this. If anyone thirsts, Let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. What he's telling them actually applies to us. And it applied after he ascended to heaven. Because that's when the Holy Spirit was given. Right? Ten days after that. First giving of the Holy Spirit was Acts chapter 2. So what he's saying there is if you believe, if you ask of this water that Jesus Christ has given through the power of the Holy Spirit, literally giving the Holy Spirit, the epi-Holy Spirit, not not the N, not the E-N, not the part that, that seals your spirit. You've already got that. Your spirit is sealed until you receive the promise, which is eternal life. That's what it says in Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. So we're not talking about that. We're talking about a different capacity of the Holy Spirit. How do I know that? Because it's a different word. It's a different word. It's a different piece of the Holy Spirit. You do not receive the entire Holy Spirit... When you accept Jesus Christ into your heart. Why? Your body can't handle it. 
Your spirit can't handle it. There has to be preparation of agreement. There has to be preparation of relationship with Him in order to be able to do that. The disciples had built relationship with Him for over three years. And He said, you're ready. But even in that, even in the you're ready, I'm sure it was a surprise. I'm sure they had no idea what to expect. Kind of like us right now. We have, we have more to go on than they did. But yet it's the same thing. The Lord says, behold, I do a new thing. How do you quantify a new thing? You can't. You say yes, and you step where he says to step, and you experience it. i got to tell you, this is not anything new in ignition. And I don't mean the giftings. I mean stepping without knowing. Stepping in faith. That is the way He has built us from the very beginning. With the attitude that we don't have to know what He's doing. We don't have to know the parameters of what's going to happen. When He clues us into those things, it's awesome. (laughs) But we don't have to know. Honestly, we just have to know two things. We have to know it is Him that is doing it, first and foremost. And secondly, what's the next step? That's literally it. Lord, i got to know that it's You, and i got to know what You want me to do right now. For a long time, He has said, be still. But then sometimes he tells us to step. He has certainly done that individually. Where he has said, go do this, go do that. But now he's telling us to do something as a body, together. So all we have to know is that it's him. And what's the next step? And he's told us that already. One, it's, it's confirmed that it's him. You need, if, if that's not confirmed to you, you need to confirm that in your own heart. But the Spirit bears witness with the Spirit. But then all he has said is, come to me. It'll look a little different. Don't walk into a Sunday morning like normal. Walk into a Sunday morning with expectancy that you want to hear from Him. What if? And I I know I don't like to dwell in what ifs, but I just got to say this one. Because this is what circles in my mind all the time. What if what Jesus wanted to do was to come here and manifest Himself and sit among us. Some of you may say, well, 
that, that wouldn't happen. That, that couldn't happen. Let's sit and talk. Because I could show you hundreds of times in the Word of God where it did happen. I could show you dozens of times in the Old Testament before Jesus came as flesh when it happened. In fact, the, the Jews, the rabbis, believed in the manifested Yeshua. There was always Yeshua God. And then there was this other one that was the manifested Yeshua. That was separate, but the same, both God. In the Old Testament, we see it all over the place. That's, that's who met Joshua outside of Jericho. That's who met Abraham several times. I got to tell you, that's what I want. Well, it can't be Jesus this time because if he, next time we see him, he's coming again. He's coming in the clouds. Why? It doesn't say that. It says next time Israel will see her, see him in the fashion that she's in. Does that mean Jesus cannot come and be with us? Of course he can. Of course he can. I could say that in absolute fact because in ignition he has. Not in the way I want him to though. So it swirls in my mind. Make room for him. I desire that more than anything. I tell him that all the time. I don't care about Platform. I don't care about position. I don't care about money. I don't care about anything. But let me just sit with you. Let me just sit with you. And 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 I don't mean I don't mean to, you know. And not that I'm downing this at all, because. This is the most awesome thing. When he manifests through his Holy Spirit, he manifests through somebody and I can have a conversation with him. That's awesome. I'm not downing that. That's not what I'm talking about. But I find myself jealous of Paul, who, by his own admission, got to go to the third heaven and was shown things he couldn't even talk about. I don't know if it's because he wasn't supposed to talk about it or literally he could not make sense of it. I don't know. I don't know. Don't care. I, I really don't. I, don't. I don't care if it's in heaven, if he were to take us all to heaven and we have a barbecue up there. I just want to be with him. That's it. I just want to be with him. If you guys have seen the movie The Shack, have you seen that? Yes. Great movie. My favorite part of that movie is when Jesus and that guy, I can't remember the guy's name. Matt? Mac. That's right, Mac. It's when Jesus and Mac are coming back from the other side of the lake and they're just running together. Ah! 
I love that. Why? Because it has so much prophetic substance to it and God saying what He's going to do and bring the kingdom and kill all the bad guys. And No, had none of that. They were just enjoying each other. That's it. That's it. Have you just sat there and enjoyed Jesus? That's what He wants. That's what he lost. That's what he lost because of Lucifer. Because of a choice that Adam made. That's what he lost. And from the moment he lost it, he declared in that moment that he will take it back. So why not us? Why not now? In in my mind... Jesus has shown, Father has shown way more patience than I ever would have. I can't explain his patience. I can't explain why it's been 2,000 years since this has been available to the bride. But what I can tell you is that he's urging you to believe that it's now. He's urging you to take up your place with him. Not just for the purpose of being a warrior, of ridding the world of those that would come against him and those spirits, I mean, all that is correct, but it's just to be with him. It's to walk with him in the cool of the day. Have you ever had, I know several in here that have told me this, and I've felt it myself. Have you ever been just talking with the Lord and just pouring your heart out to him? And then all of a sudden feel him grab your hand and hold your hand. Or come up behind you and put his arms around you where you, you are physically feeling this. This, is, this isn't something mentally that, you know, I'm just picturing you're doing this now, but you really feel it. Like, in fact, if you, if you were to open your eyes, you'd be shocked to see there was nobody there. Have you ever experienced that? I have. It's there for you. And it's real simple. It's not about some knowledge base that you have. It's not about you being able to quantify what that really means and how that really happens and how this, A plus B equals C, it's none of that stuff. You know what it is? It's wanting Him. It's wanting to be with Him. To drink of His cup, the water that He gives. The water that He told the lady at at, at Jacob's well that when you drink this water, you're never thirsty again. What do you think that means? 
man, the bride has so cheapened that to think that that only means salvation, that that only means our golden ticket to heaven. Man, that's a greater deception from the enemy than those who don't even believe in salvation. Because it literally takes away the intimacy that God offers. And in turn, that takes away the power that He wants to flow through you. That power is not for you. Read 1 Corinthians 12. That power is for the bride. He said, I, I want to say it was in John chapter 12 or a little bit before this. He said, love one another. This new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. Then he goes on to tell him, by the way, I'm giving my life for you. <laughs> so, so that's the bar that I'm setting to love one another. You want to see the enemy defeated. It's found in his love. But what does that love mean? That love is not just mercy. That love is not just good feelings. That love is his holiness. That love is recognizing that it takes effort on our part to say yes to him. That effort has a cost. And that cost, as we've said before, is everything that you are. He takes that cost, he reshapes it, remolds it, and then builds upon it. So what does it mean, then, to have these rivers flow out of you. I used to always think that, you know, God has this flowery, metaphoric way of describing how things work, and, and that is true. But there's something about it that is more literal than we think especially about the rivers. I know the Lord told us several years ago, and we didn't understand it at the time, and I think now we're at the scale of maybe understanding it 10%. <laughs> Not much more. But he said the water is the key. What does that mean? I don't know, but he seems to use these metaphors all the time about what is supposed to flow into us, about what is supposed to flow out of us. These rivers that flow out. That's what we just read, the rivers of living water. You know, I, I want to read something because um, now you know what, I'm not going to take time to read it, but I do want to tell it to you. Um, Bryn, the, the 
word that you sent from Veronica, did you put that on, was it God Squad or was it you just send it to us? Okay, can you put that on God Squad? Um, Veronica had this word, and it was a word about four rivers that are going to flow out of the body of Christ. I want you to read it. It, it, is, it is talking about where we're at right now. And much of that the Lord talks about in the readying of his bride, which is what we're in the middle of. But I, I want you to take a look at that because what is going in, which is what we're so concentrated on, you know, seeking him, hearing from him, wanting him, will also flow out. Just will. It's supposed to. It's supposed to manifest. Let's keep reading in John chapter 14. By the way, let's, let's uh, do... Let's go back to verse 13. Remember, he just talked about the greater works... And then he says, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Now, please, I'm going to lay this out real simply because so many churches take this into a health and wealth direction and say, well, in Jesus' name, you know, I need that new car. I need, in Jesus' name, I need this. I need that. It's not what it's talking about here, guys. When it says in His name, it is the representation of who He is. There is only one way to get to that point with Him, and it is through relationship with Him. As being an immature of God... It is the closeness of that image to Him, the closer it becomes, the more intimate we are in His name. What He's telling His disciples here is if you ask anything in My name, if you ask anything in intimacy with Me, I will do it. Why? Because you are already My imager. We have built relationship to where I can trust you to do what I want you to do. That's what relationship accomplishes. Is trust. It's not just us trusting Him. It's Him trusting us to step in that faith. To know, what am I to ask for? Well, you know, if you have a best friend that you're around all the time that you can bounce stuff off of, you can ask Him. (laughs) Ask Him, He'll show you. But He says it pretty clear. In our founding verse, Matthew 6, 33, he said, Seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Don't worry about the rest. Don't worry about the provision. Don't worry about the car. Don't worry about this. Don't worry about that. Seek the kingdom first. Why? Because in the kingdom are all the answers. 
And this does bring us to the time in which we find ourselves on the earth right now. His kingdom is supposed to manifest here. In fact, let, let's, let's read down. I want... Uh, verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet in a little while the world will see me no more, but you will see me. By the way, that Greek word there for see means to discern, to know that he is there. Because I live, you will all, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And this is what I want you to get. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. That Greek word there means to show, means to reveal. He goes on to answer a question from Judas, not Iscariot, it says, but different Judas. Jesus answered, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and he will come to him and make our home with him. This isn't supposed to be a separation. It's supposed to be an indwelling. It's supposed to be this symbiotic relationship, not just long distance, like, well, you know, God's way up there somewhere in heaven, and, you know, I, it's cool because I have this cell phone, I could talk to him. No, as his imager, he's supposed to be in you. And you in Him. Where literally Jesus, the Father and the Holy Spirit, through the power of the Holy Spirit, come and make their place in you. See, that's what it means when it says we're the temple. Right? We're the temple of God. God didn't erect a new temple when the second temple was torn down. He, he, he didn't erect a new temple. In fact, the second temple didn't even get the Shekinah glory. Never went there. Jesus said, you are the temple. That doesn't mean that God comes and dwells in, in this room because we're gathered here. It means that he gathers in you. He gathers with you. In you for the purpose of then us coming together because that's what draws the unity that's what draws it but he said I will make myself manifest to you we don't have to be confused as to what God how God feels about us. We, we might be confused as some things he says. 
because he's really good at being cryptic. <laughs> I think in, in some ways because he doesn't want the enemy to know. In other ways, he wants us to believe by faith because that's what pleases him. But you should never have to guess how he feels about you. You should never have to guess if something is wrong with your relationship. Why? Because of what it said here. He makes his home in you. I don't know about you, but when I go home, if somebody else is there, I have access to talk to them. Right? Lex, you home? Yep, we talk. If Jesus has made you his home, don't you think you can expect to have conversation? Of course you can. And, and so much so that he will make himself manifest to you, which means he'll talk back. You don't have to just sit there and talk to a wall in hopes that maybe God's getting this on the other side. No, he'll answer back. He will talk to you. He wants to talk to you. That's his desire, is to talk to you. Not just through his word. And by the way, not even mainly through his word. Point is, Jesus wants to speak to you all the time. An open conversation without end. Like a best friend that you do absolutely everything with. With no separated categories. Yeah, I don't take Jesus to my work because, you know, I work with a bunch of rotten people and, you know, whatever. Why don't you take Jesus to your work? It may not change that their attitude or change their mouths or anything else, but you know what it will change? The atmosphere. Because you can fight that. You can fight an atmosphere. You have an authority to do that. And you watch. When you start fighting an atmosphere, it changes other things. Right? So he manifests and wants to manifest. When we do this change, by the way, I'll mention this for the online people. Um, at least the first week, maybe the first couple weeks, we're not going to be online. Because I, I don't even want that to be on our minds, um, especially for for the group here. Um, so if you don't see us online, that's why we're still around. <laughs> but uh, when it does happen, when we do this format change, which we're there, I'm just now it's Lord. Whenever you want. It might be next week. He just said August. I know he'll show it. But I want you to be excited. I want you to be excited because this is all about him manifesting in us. 
this is all about him working through our relationship with him to do what he wants. And there's going to be warfare with it, like there is with everything else. But see, it's actually the warfare that he wants to expose. And I finally watched that movie. It was a good movie. Um, Come out in Jesus' name. How many saw that? Seriously? Nobody saw that? That's the... Wait a second. This was like huge a month ago. Come out in Jesus' name with Pastor Greg Locke. <laughs> Seriously? Okay, I thought, I thought we talked about it here. Didn't we talk about this here? I mean, he was on Fox News, for goodness sake. Wow, we didn't talk about it. So you guys have not seen this movie. Okay. <laughs> movie night. Yeah, there you go. We can do a movie night. I'm, okay, so I'll, what, what it is, Pastor Greg Locke is a uh, pastor down in Tennessee, is it, or North Carolina? Nashville, yeah. Nashville, Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah, I said Tennessee, right? Yeah. Anyways, he, he, uh, his story, man, when I was listening at the beginning of this, I'm like, you are describing my story. You know, he, he grew up a Baptist. He was a Baptist. He, he had a grandmother, grandmother that wanted him to be a preacher, but he didn't want to be a preacher. He fought it for a long time. Then he finally became a preacher. He was a cessationist. And for him, it was in a baptism that went really wrong, <laughs> that opened his eyes to the demonic. It was a grandmother holding her granddaughter, and in baptism, this, this little granddaughter was, the spirits came out, let's just say that, they manifested and this this whole movie shows the transition of him beginning to understand deliverance. Beginning to understand what it means to really do the work of the Lord. You know, what does it mean to for the Lord to work through us? Is it just to build ourselves up? No. In fact, in my experience... Most of the gifts, they're used to build up the body of Christ, but for what purpose? For war. For war. To go against the enemy. That's what this movie is about. It's so good. It's so good. Talked about this transition in this preacher's mind of understanding that demonic spirits do not just oppress or possess over in Africa. Right? In fact, he, he, I remember he said the same thing, same comment that I have made is that I see it so much more here in the States. It's just hidden really well here. Well, they have a, really an incredible deliverance ministry now. And, and by the way, this is pretty new. This movie came out they finished filming the, new, the movie, I want to say, in February of this year. 
and then it, it came out. And, and so what is going on in the church is depicted in this movie. These are not, they're not going into, you know, the, the inner cities and all the unsaved people and we're finding. No, these are people in church. In church that walk down front and want to be free and all of a sudden the demonic spirit inside of them throws them to the ground. He said when that first started to happen, he didn't even know what that was. They weren't equipped to fight that. He didn't understand. And so God gave him a real quick as you go lesson. Got him connected with people that could show him. Well, for us, we didn't have that privilege. I mean, when it happened, when it happened to us the first time, Well, Lord, I don't know what to do, but I do know you speak through us, so you know what to do, so please speak. And he did. that That was one of the first things the Lord did, is started to teach us how to fight. There were some in here that paid a dear price for that. And I don't mean a dear price of their faith. I mean in many ways even a physical price. Paid a price for those who would learn because of the price they're paying. So the Lord took us through it. We learned it. We dealt with it. We, and it, it wasn't for the purpose of cleansing this church. He's said that over and over again. He has said, are you ready for these doors to open? Are you ready? Now, by the way, I believe we are ready. I am 100% confident about that. We may not know in every moment what to do in that moment, but we know the God who does. And the thing about being ready is to not turn and run. And to know that God will take you through what he has stepped you into. I will say one thing, though. You know, there are some differences from what I saw on the, in the movie. First of all, another, I, I literally have not found another preacher to agree with me on this, but... These people are possessed. It's not oppression. It's possession. Possession is not ownership. It's not. That's where they get it wrong. Possession is not ownership. Because that would mean that anybody renting an apartment owns that apartment. That's just not true. Possession is real simple. It's possession. It's the fact that they're there and they have a right to be there. That right is given through the authority that that person has given them. That's one thing, but that, that's a slight difference. The, the other difference that to me is a major thing is, is deliverance or deliverance ministry is not for the sake of freedom. 
Please understand that. If that's where it stops, then it's a waste. If it doesn't then move on to relationship, then it's a waste. The purpose for deliverance is for the cleanliness of a person being able to now pursue relationship with Jesus Christ. Not to just become a slave again, but to really be free to pursue relationship. Because then you go from a battered person to a conqueror. And it's because of who you're connected with. It's literally Jesus Christ who works within you. We will see a lot of this. We will see a lot. We'll see a lot of healing. We'll see a lot of deliverance. And by the way, don't don't think myopically about that because... Deliverance is demonic possession, oppression, contact, whatever you want to call it. Anybody is susceptible to that. You know how to make yourself not susceptible to it? Relationship with Jesus Christ. When your life becomes about Him and not yourself kind of like a big brother that is going to beat up all your enemies for you. Really is. Really is. But that's what he's trying to get the bride to be. That's why he's building us into warriors. Not just deliverance so people can function. Wow, I was reading this earlier this morning. He took me here. Genesis 1 or Genesis 3, uh, I can't remember what verse it was, but you, you know, when, with the fall and everything else, and, and, and God makes this claim that I will put enmity between your seed and her seed. He was talking to Lucifer. And we've talked about this many times, and what does that mean, a seed, and everything else. But do you know... What enmity means in the Hebrew? Anybody? No, it means hate. I will put hatred between you. This isn't the devil saying this. This is God saying this. God saying, I will put hatred between what I have created and what Lucifer has defamed. That's why he's building warriors. That's why you see the world the way you see it right now. Why? Because it is run by his people, by his spirits. That up until now could not be dealt with. But there was a change. September of 2019. It all changed. 
there was something that became open and available and and it was the court of nations it started to cut the head off the top it started to turn it into disarray the enemy yeah we're supposed to be warriors yeah we're supposed to kill the enemy Yeah, we're supposed to hate. When a person comes here, and this is going to happen, and manifests, I don't mean that you are hating that person. No, no, no. Back in chapter 14, earlier in chapter 14, he said love. So what do you hate? You hate what's manifesting. You see the spirit that is on them. You recognize your authority over that spirit because they have come for freedom. Do you know that's all it takes? If that person doesn't want freedom, you have no authority to force that on them. Now, you might have some external authority. If they're in your house, you could shut them up. And I'm talking about the spirits. You know, you might be able to do some things like that. But when a person comes, let's say a person were to come forward and and says, I want freedom. It's all they have to do. Then you have the authority to engage. You have full authority to go after that spirit. But then you also have full responsibility to introduce them to Jesus Christ and what it means to have relationship. I'm telling you this because it's going to happen. Each one of you are going to deal with this. Remember when I have said that if you're part of Ignition at this point, you're part of leadership? Okay, imagine for just a second that we had a thousand people show up this morning. And you guys have been here learning this for months, readying your own relationships with the Lord for months and even years. And now you have a thousand hungry people that don't know and are just seeking hope. They don't even know what the hope is. They don't even know what it's in. Yeah, each one of you will be dealing with it. You know, the Lord showed me a long time ago, we're not a normal church. We're not going to build some big building. We'll be in big buildings. But I don't think they'll be ours. I mean, unless you think of it, the fact that all of them, I suppose, as the bride would be ours. (laughs) Metaphorically like that. But no, God is raising us up to send us out kind of opposite of what a church in the past has done. You know, a church in the past is, let's bring them all in. That's not what God's doing with us. He's kept us small for a reason. And I've been telling you this for years. He's kept us small to train us, to teach us, to embed us with Him through the power of His Holy Spirit. But there comes a point where He releases those doors.
It's not for them to come in these doors. I mean, we, we, couldn't, we couldn't fit a thousand people in here. It's because he'll send us elsewhere. And I've had all kinds of visions. Other people have had many visions. We've had visions of, of I, know, I know my mother had dreams of uh, stadiums. I've had visions of stadiums. But you know what I've had more visions of, which maybe that's more at the beginning. I don't know, but I, I just can't wait. Tents in the middle of a stinking field where nobody's around. And then all of a sudden you have 20, 30, 40, 50, 100,000 people show up. And you're in a field because if it were in a city somewhere, you couldn't fit them. That's what the Lord's shown me. That's what he's building this to be. Just give him your yes because you play a part in that. It's not just that I do. It's not just that staff here does or people who go to Nigeria do. Every single one of you. That's why the training is so important. And it's not that you have to know everything before it happens. Don't don't let fear set in like the first time. I remember first time I dealt with a demonic spirit. There were seven of them in this one girl. And I remember by about the fifth one, I'm like, Lord, this is not supposed to take this long. <laughs> this is really hard. I keep saying the same thing over and over again. I command you to come out in Jesus' name. I must have said it a thousand times. And it was really hard. In, in fact, it took so long, the, peop, the pastors that we were with shut it down before we got to that seventh one. And I've always regretted that, always, because we didn't finish the job that day. But you know what? After that first one, it got easier. I started to understand my authority a little bit more. I remember the first time that I learned that I could have angels hold them down. Wow, what an epiphany. (laughs) I don't need to be clocked from these flailing arms. We learn as we go because the Lord will always teach you. But please know, Please know, if you're here, you're supposed to be a part of this fight. Whether it's here or in Nigeria, it doesn't matter because it's the same here and there. That's what he's training us for. Don't be afraid of it. Because this next step, like I don't know when he's opening the doors. I do know this. There is something significant coming before that happens. And that is falling of his Holy Spirit, whatever that means. I'm not going to try and quantify that, just like the disciples couldn't before they knew what happened in Acts chapter 2. I do know that his power will be upon us when these things are happening. He has promised me that there there comes a point, and I believe it to be upon this falling, That's just my own personal belief. But he has told me that there comes a point where the healings become immediate. 
where the deliverance becomes immediate. In other words, you're, you're not having to... I, I remember one we dealt with, it was like 12 hours. or It was insane. So much of that keys on your relationship with the Lord and, and how He teaches us. It's not about, well, took seven hours, so my relationship must be bad. It's not about that. The seven hours is because he's teaching us through the process of being on the battlefield. And we step in faith and we just do. But that, that's coming. I think the season that we're in right now that he told us to change this up, right? When he told us that like six weeks ago or whatever it was, I believe, it's my own personal belief, is that this is the preparation for the Holy Spirit to be given in whatever measure. And the Lord told me about that. He said, I will use each one according to the measure that they will allow it. So here's a hint. Have no limit to the allowance. Don't limit him. Just say yes. Because that's the season we're stepping into. And again, what I believe is when those doors open, it's going to be fast. It's going to be the suddenlies. It's going to be the suddenlies in ways that we won't be able to even... put parameters in our minds over. I, I, I mean... You know, when he tells us, you know, you, you, there are going to be days where you come on a Sunday morning and you're, you're there all day. You're, you're there even throughout the night. That's, that's really hard to picture when it's just us here. Right? Isn't it? I mean, less, less literally Jesus comes and sit, sits with us. You're not dragging me out of this place. Right? I, I would stay for days. I would stay till he leaves. And just trying to stay awake the whole time. <laughs> but you know what I think part of that is? Let's say he tells us, and I won't even list a church that I know he's going to do this with, but let's say he tells us, go to this church. Sunday morning, I want you here. They don't know you're coming. That's fine. We go there. And the Holy Spirit moves. And then all of a sudden, the neighbors are coming in. And people are coming in by the hundreds, then by the thousands. Do you think you'll be there for a while? I do. I do. I'd stay there forever if it meant freedom for somebody. If it meant understanding relationship. Why? Because... That's what I want for God. Out of everything he's done for us, what has he gotten out of this? Pain. Literally. That's what he's gotten out of this. What is his joy? Our faith. Our pressing into him. Our spending time with him. 
So Satan has taken that away in such great measure to him by ruling the world, even though it was bought back 2,000 years ago. And I don't know about you, that incenses me. I hate it. I want to take this world back for him. Because he deserves those relationships. I've I got to be honest with you. I'm not even doing it for the people. I'm not doing this for you guys. I'm doing it because when you build, build relationship with him, he loves it. He loves it. That's my goal. That's going to be your goal. He's going to use us in this way, and we're, we're right on the corner of that. These churches in Delaware have no idea what's coming. They have no idea. And I'm not to say we're the only church that he'll do this with. That's not what I'm saying. I just know what he's going to do with us. And I know what he's going to open up right here and all over this country. It'll be at the same time that the country goes even more chaotic than it is now. As you see the country getting worse and worse, get excited. Because in the darkest of dark, the light is that much more powerful. So it's kind of like he's doing them in the same time. And there's a there's purpose in that. There's real purpose because that darkness is going to be sending the people to a point of asking about God. Like, how in the world do you make it through this? And, you know, some of you have probably already been asked that question. We have. But it's coming huge. I just want to go ahead and close in prayer. I know I went long, but I'm just going to close in prayer here. Father, we worship you. We praise you. We love you, Lord. We pray your will be done. Lord, we have given you our yes. We desire to step where you want us to step. As we move and transition to this new format, Lord, we don't, we don't even know what it is. We don't even know what we're supposed to do. We're just supposed to be focused on you and, and you'll lead. So that is what we will give you. We'll give you our faith in that to do what you want. I thank you for this family here. I thank you for them. I thank you that none of this is a surprise to them. None of this has a place of fear, but about eagerness. Desire to be with you because you're the prize. We love you, we thank you, and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.